Welcome to the Books on Air podcast. I'm Suzanne Harris, and my listeners get the story behind every book. Joining me today is Dr. Leon Pechkovsky, and he's here to talk about his fascinating book, Nurturing the Nurturers, Healing the Planet, The Wati Canyon Pie Story. Now, Dr. Petskovsky graduated in medicine from Sydney University, and he became involved in brain research soon after. He found himself working in Central Australia, where he engaged with Aboriginal people and culture. He then went to England, and he completed training in psychiatry. Upon his return to Australia, he began visiting Central Australian Aboriginal communities again, and he received medicine training from very supportive elders, hence the Wati Canyon Pie dreaming story that he will tell that he tells in the book and we'll talk about. Over the next several decades he trained as a Jungian analyst and a psychodramatist. He also continued his brain research using functional brain imagery. But it was not until ten years ago that he discovered the massive advances in developmental neuroscience that inform his current work and the contents of his book. Dr. Petkovsky, welcome to Books on Air. It's such an absolute pleasure to welcome you as my guest. Thank you, Suzanne. The book is absolutely fascinating. Every book has two stories. This book has a story that you have told that the readers will get when they read the book. I'm always curious. I know that you have been thinking about writing this book for several years. Tell me what made you decide that now was the time. Well, I think uh, just uh, getting older, that's one thing. I'm not going to be alive forever. So uh, the sooner I get it, yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose it was, you know, part of my bucket list things I have to do before I die. <laughs> well, I read that you struggled a bit because there is so much information, and the book is just—I can't—I can't say enough about the book. When I started to read it, I could not stop. I found it so captivating. Let's give our listeners a little overview of the story of the book. Do you want me to do that? Mm-hmm. Please. Oh, very well. Um, well. Look, you know, I've had a lot of psychotherapy training. And I do, and I've done a lot of psychotherapy um, in my professional work. But um, I'm ashamed to admit that it wasn't until about 15 years ago that it became clear to me just how relevant, just how important um, the atmosphere of those first three years of life or so are, because if you get that one right, then um, 
the child um, grows up to be a human being who can uh, manage life, who can manage good relationships, who can manage their emotions, who can manage their impulses. But um, if you don't, um, things become very, very difficult. And so, of course, I saw a lot of that in the Aboriginal communities. That's the disadvantaged, remote communities that I visited. And there was so much childhood distress there. And then, of course, there was a time when I was uh, um, out in a remote area with some of my Aboriginal medicine men my teachers, and they would always ask me uh, about any dreams that I'd had when we slept out with them. And on this particular occasion, I had a dream about this huge man who was walking through the landscape, and his job was to look after all the people and the creatures who were looking after other creatures. And that's what canyulpai means. Canyulpai means uh, um, always looking after. And so this being was looking after all the mothers, um, but his travels weren't confined to Australia. He was walking all over the world. So I told my... Uh, medicine teaches that and they said oh yes that is what he can the man who looks after who nurtures all the nurturers and uh, so at that point I thought yeah well um, this is really what I hear need to encourage on this planet because there, 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 there just didn't, isn't quite enough of it. Um, so when I was writing the book, I researched all the major religions and there's very little in any religion on this planet on uh, early childhood nurturance. And then there's a lot of stuff about a lot of other things. But that one gets missed out on. And then I had a look at what was happening in uh, um, nations across the world. And the only countries that seemed even remotely interested in this were uh, um, the Scandinavian ones. And uh, Sweden, Norway, Finland... And, of course, that wonderful uh, Asian country, Bhutan. But just about everywhere else, there's no recognition, let alone any uh, um, government programs or services that identify young women at risk and uh, provide appropriate nurture. 
I was surprised to see that you referenced a book by Hillary Clinton. Well, yes, um, but uh, she, she 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 was actually onto uh, this thing, um, which uh, amazed me, and uh, I thought it'd be good to acknowledge that. I was surprised when I saw the reference, and I think everything that you're talking about is so important because it made me start to think about all of the violence and all of the all of the terrible things that are happening in our world and how in the world can we stop this i i feel and like we're guys. yeah 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 well look one one of the things i mentioned in the book is that you know, even our mental health services just have not got it. Like, um, if you go to any mental health service, a psychiatric hospital, uh, outpatient service, whatever, and you do um, an adverse childhood events inventory, which is a very rough questionnaire, which looks at difficulties in those first three or four years and you do that on all the patients what you find is that about 80% at least 80% of the people in uh, of the patients actually had adverse childhood events now the same is true of prisoners in jail the same is true of people with um, drug and alcohol problems. Um, how can we how can we mitigate this? Well, we can mitigate it by being more aware of it at the national cultural level and um, developing developing services. I thought that you used a case study of a a baby, a six-month-old baby still in the womb. You described his situation. His father um, was almost violent with his mother. His mother was drinking. He was developing, you, you described it so poignantly. Where did the idea for that come from, and where did the case study come from? Did, did you make that up? Was that a real case study? No, 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 no. no. Um, look, there are several similar case studies in uh, uh, my book. The one that I think we're referring to primarily is one that, uh, uh, it was of a local woman who lived not very far away from where I live right now and I was doing a bit of work for the government and uh, uh, she was one of the um, psychiatric patients and she had multiple horrific diagnoses and the diagnosis was stupid she was supposed to have schizophrenia which she didn't have um, 
And, of course, we found out that she'd had a horrible, a horrible early childhood, including multiple sexual abuse. Oh. And, and so what had happened was when she grew up, she decided she wanted nothing to do with men. She was going to be a lesbian. And so that went on for a while. But then on one particular time, she happened to meet um, a guy from a visiting from Africa, a Sudanese, I think he was. And for the first time in her life, she decided, all right, look, I'll make an exception and I will actually go to bed with this fellow. And, of course, three guesses what happened. She got <laughs> right, pregnant. right. And then, so, you know, we knew her background, we knew how um, distraught her personality was. But we also know, and this is really important for readers to understand, we know that women who have had early childhood neglect or abuse are particularly keen to get pregnant and have children. And why is that? It's because a part of their emotional brain imagines that they can get vicarious healing through that. That if they have a child and look after it, then they'll get healed up. Wow. Now, what happens, of course, is they have a child and they can't look after it because they are too damaged. And so you get this transgenerational pass on of damage after damage. But if they're picked up in time, as this woman was, and if we provided a lot of support, and the support goes right across all sectors, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about emotional support. We're talking about financial support. We're talking about stuff like, you know, making sure that they've got uh, um, government payments, making sure they've got prams, making sure they've got somewhere safe to live in, as well as providing the emotional support. So we did that with her and we looked after her and helped her especially during that time when she was bonding with the baby. And the lovely thing was that she bonded really well with that baby, and from then on, things just progressed. Um, her mother, who was an alcoholic, and uh, who, because of the neglect, was responsible for that sexual abuse, her mother actually came um, in a tune with everything and said, look, from now on I am banning anyone who drinks from coming to my house. So when you come and visit my house with your little daughter, there won't be any drunks in there. But, uh, you know, the... Uh, the, the good vibes spread everywhere. 
That's amazing. So that's that's one story. We've got a few others from Central Australia as well. One of the other things I liked was that you get the reader to think about Wadi Canyon Pie, and you get the reader to ask themselves some questions that Wadi Canyon Pie has some part in. I thought that that was, because he is the nurturer of the nurturer, I thought that was a way to really get people to think about that in a different way. Yeah. And I thought that it was important that you put something like that in there because what you really want from people is you want them to read the book, but there has to be stopping points where they digest and think about the yep. book, and then think about application. Yeah. Am I right yeah. on track? You're right on track, yeah. yeah. What I want people to do is to personalize this, to yes. relate to their own experiences of life, and then to bring some of that caring to themselves and to people around them. For that to expand until it uh, moves to the organizational level. Now, there's a beautiful uh, uh, organization in Western Victoria in Australia called uh, Bumps to Babes and Beyond. <laughs> And that's an indigenous organization. It's a great title. Run by Aboriginal, <laughs> run by Aboriginal women who are actually, uh, some of them are actually developmental psychologists. Oh, I love it. So they, they really, really, really know their stuff. And because they're embedded in the community, they can pick up the pregnant mums who are at risk and then they can come in and intervene in this beautiful way and you know I, I describe that particular organisation in the book as an example of how we might go about things at the organisational level it has to be it has to be local, it has to be Push down, and people have to realize how important this is because it influences the rest of the child's life. And if if they turn into a criminal as a result of what happened to them in their first three to four years, when in truth and in fact, as you demonstrated with your story, if only someone had taken them in hand and helped yes. that mother, then their lives yes. would have been different. That's right. That's how it is. Now, um, you know, I don't pretend in the book that this applies to 100% of people in 100% of cases. Because, you know, there are genetic factors of course. involved. And... Uh, Karmic ones for all I know. But 
um, um, you know, for 90% of people, in 90% of cases, this is a big factor. And the other thing that's difficult, I, I, I've got a friend and colleague, uh, Professor Russell Mears, who's uh, um, a uh, very, very well-known psychiatrist in Australia who's written several books. And uh, one of the things that he discovered, because he does a lot of psychotherapy, is that sometimes there are situations where genetically the emotional patterns of the mother are so different from the emotional patterns of the baby that even though she tries very hard, she just struggles to establish a resonant relationship. Now, this is rare. You know, only you know one in a hundred thousand. But you know, even that happens, and when that happens, of course, the child grows up with problems. And if they're lucky. They get to see my colleague, Professor Mears, who picks that up. One of the things that I thought was important was the role of men and the way that you talked about how men had always viewed themselves as the protector and not so much the nurturer, and that that's a role that needs to change, that they need to become more nurturing with their babies. Big time, big time. Yeah. Yeah, I want to see a lot more of that. Um, we, we, we don't have nearly enough of that in any of our cultures. But, um, you know, as you look at the media, you begin to realise that, that, that there are actually groups of people out there, groups of men who have become very interested in this aspect of life in actually being with the babies and tuning into them and looking after the mothers emotionally and that that is so good, I'm so pleased to see this happening I just think everything in the book is so important, and you've done such a wonderful job, the way that it's presented, and it's it's a very interesting read. I, quite frankly, have said this once, and I'll say it again. I could not put it down once I started to read it. Let's tell our listeners where they can find the book, and I'll do that. You don't have to do that part. It's on Amazon. Let me do some spelling so that you can find the book. The title of the book is Nurturing, N-U-R-T-U-R-I-N-G, Nurturing the Nurturers, N-U-R-T-U-R-E-R-S. That's the first part of the title. The second part of the title is Healing the Planet, the Wati Canyon Pie. I'll spell Wati Canyon Pie. It's two words. Wati is W-A-T-I, first name. Canyon Pie, K-A-N-Y-I-L-P-A-I, story. 
by Leon, L-E-O-N, Petkovsky, P-E-T-C-H-K-O-V-S-K-Y. When you put that into your Amazon search feature and click on it, the book will come right up. And in the upper right-hand corner, you'll see two words. If you've never bought a book on Amazon or if you've never clicked on these two words, let me encourage you to do that. The two words are look inside. If you put your cursor, your little arrow on that and click on it, the book will electronically open. You will see the table of contents. There's a foreword that you will get to read. And then you'll have... Uh, an example, an excerpt from the book. When you start to read it, you won't be able to stop. Now, I know that some people would prefer to buy their books from a smaller place. Amazon is the biggest bookseller, I think, in the world. And there are people who would rather buy from other places. Dr. Petrosky, is um, the book available other places? Yes, it is. It's available on Booktopia and uh, a few other uh, um, international booksellers that I've forgotten. I'll bet if they Google... If they they Google it, stuff will come up. Yep. I'll bet. I'll bet it would be... I mean, even if they Googled your name, it would come up. It would, I think, yep. Now, you have a blog. I I complimented you on the beautiful photograph that you had at the top of the blog. Is it a sunrise or a sunset? It's a sunrise? It's a sunrise. Oh, it's so beautiful. Tell me about the blog. What what do you have there that the listeners might, might see and read? Well, essentially, very, very similar stuff to what's in the book, Um, but um, focusing, I suppose, uh, more on Aboriginal culture and uh, um, focusing on my misery (laughs) as to why on earth. People just don't seem to be interested in this. It seems like it's so very important. I I can't imagine why someone would not be interested in this. And yet, our societies reflect exactly the opposite of everything that you're talking about, really. Yep, yep except a few pockets, as you've described, in Australia. And, of course, as as I read the book and as you and I have, have talked, I have, of course, thought about the United States and thought about mm. our our black population and our indigenous American Indian population. Oh, and they have some of the same issues that you've described. Yep. And, yeah. Yep. And it's it's scary. I, I just... It, I think you've given a formula that if people will take this to heart and actually realize that they can do something and do something yeah. about it, that they can make a world of difference. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
Now, I have one more question for you, and I, I think I have already know the answer, but I want to give you an opportunity to give it to me again. This is a powerful book. It's your passion. I can hear the passion in your voice. I could hear the passion in your voice as I read your book and read your words. When our listeners become readers and they purchase a copy of the book, this is not a book that they will sit down and just read through like a romance or a thriller or anything like that. This is a book that requires some thinking and some application. And they will probably sit down with the book, read part of it, think about it, read the rest, and go ahead until they finish the book, which might take them some time. This is not a book that I would ever do away with. I would keep this book because it's it's so interesting and so right on point. What is the bottom line message? When that listener becomes a reader and they get a copy of Nurturing the Nurturers, what do you want them to take away when they close that last page, that last book cover for the very last time? I guess the core of the thing is I want them to um, take away an increased sense of empathy. That's, you know, both for themselves, um, for those nurturing mothers, um, and uh, for the planet, for the world. Kind of loving connection. I think the theme of empathy is a very strong one throughout the whole book. And I couldn't mm. agree with you more. I think that empathy, kindness, awareness of what we can do and what we could choose to do can make a mm. huge difference. Yeah. This has been instructive. The book is informative. I couldn't put it down. Thank you so much, Dr. Pechkovsky, for being my guest today on Books on Air. It's been a real pleasure to talk with you. Thank you very much, dear Susan. And I send you and all your listeners all my loving wishes. May we all be well, happy, and peaceful. Thank you so much. I couldn't agree with you more. Now remember... You can find Nurturing the Nurturers, Healing the Planet, the Wadi Canyon Pie Story on Amazon by Dr. Leon, L-E-O-N, Pechkovsky, P-E-T-C-H-K-O-V-S-K-Y. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. You can also hear this podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. I'm Suzanne Harris, and I so hope you'll join me for my next Books on Air podcast, because remember, you never know who's going to be here, and you never know what we're going to talk about. Thank you so much for listening.